Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane. Today, as ever, I'm joined by Scott McDermott, back from his holiday. Well, it was a bit of a phantom holiday, actually, because I had it in my head that he was off on holiday last week. But in fact, it turns out he wasn't, and I just merely snubbed him. Yeah, I was just being blank, completely blank. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry about that, guys, and sorry, Scott. Uh, won't happen again. Um, right, moving on. Finally, we have some football to discuss. It's fantastic. The game is back and back in a big way with the first round of fixtures from the Scottish Premiership. Rangers against Aberdeen. Scott, was your overall impression of that game? I thought Rangers played well, Johnny. Um, I know since the weekend there's, there has been a bit of, kind of well, there's been a lot of debate actually as to how good Rangers' performance was. I mean, I was at the game. Uh, I've not watched the full game back. I watched some of the some of the highlights the other night, but um, I can rarely remember Rangers being in so much control of a game at Pretoria against Aberdeen. I know the score. Yeah, the result only ended up 1-0 it should have been more than that Rangers should have scored again in the second half in fact I think if uh, Fast Taylor doesn't make a last ditch clearance off the line from, from Joe Aribo then it would have been as comfortable a 2-0 win over Aberdeen as Rangers are, are likely to get I, I'm not saying it was perfect there are still it's early in the season no, there's still wee bits missing from Rangers game I think we all know what they are um, I, th- I thought there were some very good individual performances. Um, Balligan probably being the pick, given the circumstances, not getting thrown into his first game after only six days at the club. That was a bit of a surprise, but my God, um, did it pay off for Steven Gerrard? He was, I thought it was outstanding. Um, so I just thought overall it was a really good, really good controlled professional performance. And I don't think, unlike... A lot of the games against Aberdeen in the last couple of years, I don't think Rangers were ever in any danger of uh, of dropping any points on Saturday. Yeah, I see where you're coming from, Scott. And I suppose if you were looking at this game in isolation as uh, a football fan from South America, you would look at it and say, well, Rangers were completely dominant, they were excellent, and they thoroughly deserved their win at a tough place and a way ground that they struggle in. But for me... the big thing is that Rangers are going to have to make a few changes this year, I think, if they're going to win this Scottish Premiership. So w- watching this game, I'm watching it from a point of view as, of are these changes being made? Are we seeing an evolution in this team? And there was some evidence of that, but there was also some evidence of old issues rearing their ugly head again. And look, first half, I thought Rangers were actually terrific. They didn't create much but they controlled the ball, they controlled the tempo of the game. Aberdeen didn't threaten at all. Yeah. And and you know, they got their they got their goal, which was really, really well worked and clearly something they've been working on in the uh, on the training ground. But we'll go into that in a bit more detail in terms of Morelos dropping a little bit deeper to pick up the ball and Kent pushing on. But second half, I really felt Rangers were in an eeksy peeksy game. They were still the better side, but Aberdeen came out of them a little bit more, caused a few problems. I think balls into the box, although Balogun was excellent, you still had your heart and mouth if you're looking at it from a Rangers point of view. There was that sort of epic scramble where yeah. Balogun smashed his head off the post where you that, that could have really gone anywhere. And my main problem in the second half was once again, there was there was no real chances to speak of until the very end when Aberdeen were throwing caution, caution to the wind. Yeah, And I would worry that, that on another day when, as Derek McKenna said after the game, uh, the, Matty Kennedy pushes up and presses properly James Tavernier he can't play that ball inside that that goal doesn't happen yeah. um, and if that goal doesn't happen it's a completely different complexion on the game because Rangers are huffing and puffing now 
There's the argument that, that Rangers held the ball. They didn't need to take the game to Aberdeen. But I think if, if you've learned one lesson from last season is that Rangers can't rely on a one-goal victory. They need two because yeah. teams in the Scottish Premiership are always going to throw balls down your throat, long balls up into the box, and anything can happen. These are high-variance games because of that. So, so that, that was my worry from a Rangers point of view, looking at the game. They just didn't create that much. And a, and a lot of people um, called me out on Twitter because I'd said I felt Morelos was playing too deep. And they were saying, you know, this is a tactic. And of course it was a tactic. But I don't think Morelos is that Robert Firmino. But I think if you look at the entirety of his game, I don't think he was entirely com- comfortable in that position. I said to you, Scott, in a, in a DM, I think Morelos is a butcher's knife, not a scalpel. You know, he's yeah. a guy that's, he's a battering ram. That's his game. Yeah, exactly. I don't see him as being the guy who's dropping deep with clever movement, with finesse balls through. Mm. Now, that's exactly what he did in that one moment. But I don't think it's something he's going to be able to do often. I don't think it's, yeah. he's going to be comfortable in that role. Now, again, I know a lot of people will point to that assist and say, no, you're wrong. Look, there's the evidence. But I've watched Manelos for, for, for many years now, three years now, and I just haven't seen that side to his game throughout the whole season. Um, and yet, look, for that goal, people are saying that Morelos you know, dropped deep. And yes, that is an argument. But when the ball came into Morelos, both him and Kent were pushed up at that point. He yeah, took the ball down brilliantly and played it through. Yeah, and, but let's know, I mean, without being unkind to Alfredo, Morelos has been not brilliant for Rangers. I've said that often enough on here. No, it's not a... It's not exactly a world-class pass he makes. I mean, with all due respect, you would expect any player to make that pass. It was a good move for Rangers. Great ball for Tavernier, the dummy for Hadji. And obviously, Morelos is going to make the pass. But, I mean, if he, if he didn't make that pass, you'd be asking serious questions. Um, so, listen, I get it. On that occasion, you no, know, he drops off slightly and he, he creates the goal. Brilliant. But, I agree with you. Alfredo Morelos isn't your link-up man that's going to come in playing that kind of number ten position and no link the play. I think at times, um, I think at times Morelos's touch can be can be pretty clumsy. Um, yep. And I even I even thought on Saturday, early on in the game, I know I, I got a wee bit of stick on Twitter for for saying I didn't think he played that well. I thought watching the game live, especially in the first half. When Rangers had a, had a lot of good possession, I mean, at times it, it felt like Rangers were keeping possession for like, you know, for like two and three minutes at a time. Aberdeen couldn't get near them, but it felt as if those moves were, were breaking down quite a lot when it got to Morelos. Either his touch wouldn't be there or he would, you know, he would try a pass that didn't come off and you know, gave Aberdeen possession. But um, So I agree with you. I don't think Morelos is going to be that type. Um I don't think he looks, and I know I say I'll probably get slaughtered again. I, I don't think he looks fit. Um, Stephen Gerrard actually said after the game that he has to get fitter and sharper. That's an indication that, that the manager doesn't think he's he's fit enough at this stage. Um, and also, he isn't the player. No, he, he is miles off the player that was scoring those goals in the Europa League group stage last season. Now people will go out and say, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we know he's no, we know he's no back to his best. And we know he's no quite. But why is he no? I mean, I, I don't quite get it. But people seem to be willing to to let Morelos off for the fact that you no, know, he came back in January, looked a shadow of the player. Um, I know Rangers as a team dropped off in January, but Morelos looked a shadow of the player never looked like scoring before um, before the lockdown. They've obviously had four or five months break. He's come back and still doesn't look sharp enough. Now, whether it's transfer speculation or whether it's him himself or you know, we've heard, obviously, that he wants, you know, he wants this move, whatever it is, I don't think Morelos at this moment in time <clears throat> is giving Rangers uh, enough. And I think the manager knows that. And I think deep down, of course, Rangers would love to keep the the Morelos of you know, September, October, November last year. They would love to keep him for a for a tilt at this at this title. But that's not the Morelos they've got at this moment in time. And that's why I think for Rangers to really move forward and to put in a serious title challenge, they probably need to do this transfer sooner rather than later. 
whereas uh, where they get a lot of money in for Morelos and they can then go and spend it in a couple of, a couple of strikers. Yeah, do, do the tactics almost tell its own story? In that Rangers all throughout this pre-season have been looking and succeeding in getting Ryan Kent and Yanis Hadji more involved yeah. in the play in the final thirds. Yeah. And the, the ultimate um, element of this is to bring your your big striker back a la Robert Firmino it's the final evolution of Rangers into the same tactics as Liverpool and have their zippy wingers or creative players pushed right up Um, but Morelos doesn't look naturally suited to that in my opinion again there'll be people on this listening to this saying you're wrong but I don't think so but perhaps that tells you that they they are preparing for life after Alfredo Morelos after having that full on battering ram up front. Um, Johnny, I also think it tells you that Steven Gerrard's looking at him and knows that he's off for him and he's no he's no providing that same goal threat um that, that he was last season. So he has to get uh, Kent and Hadji further up the pitch more central to give Rangers that goal threat because whether you like it or not, Morelos isn't providing that at the moment and unfortunately with Jermaine Defoe injured They've got nothing in reserve now. I mean, you'll, obviously the bench on uh, Saturday, you'd like Brandon Barker and, and Greg Stewart who could who could go and play there. But you know, we we know that that's not going to be the level uh, Rangers need to go and uh, to go and win a title. So, as I say, I think the, the tactic probably does tell its own story. But I think it's more a case of Gerard thinking, no, if 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 we're not getting goals for Morelos, where are they coming from? We need to get Hadji and Kent um, further up the pitch, more central, into um, you know, more dangerous goal-scoring positions. And to be fair, as you say, in pre-season it's worked. And it worked again uh, worked again on, on Saturday with Kent, who, who I thought was brilliant on Saturday again. Um, took his goal uh, took his goal superbly. Um, and again, I actually thought Hadji played well in the game. I've been... No, roundly slaughtered on on Twitter for for suggesting that. I mean, some of the comments. I know, listen, football fans are can be a bit fickle at times, but I mean, geez, I mean, some of the comments, dreadful, useless, hopeless. I mean, I'm watching Hadji. First of all, aside from anything else, with Hadji, the shift he puts in for a creative midfield player, a playmaker, um, I think is incredible. I think you no, know, he's doing a. The, the work that he's putting in for Rangers as a team is fantastic um, I look at him on Saturday he's got a hunger and a desire to go and make things happen which I think Rangers have lacked that's that's why I you know, I said Rangers should break the bank to go and get him um, he's the only guy uh, in that kind of final third if you like who's willing to go and have a, a shot from distance he had two shots for distance from Saturday. One was saved by Joe Lewis. The other one's deflected just past the post. He comes up with the killer pass for Morelos late on in the game that Morelos should have scored. It was another great tackle with the, the Aberdeen defender uh, that put it past the post. So, you know, as well as his dummy for the goal, which helped create the goal, I thought Hadji had a very good game. Of course, one or two things could have, uh, one or two things more could have come off for him. But in the main, I think him and Kent are looking really good um, and as I say I think of that front three Morelos is the one that is that is clearly struggling for a for a bit of form uh, and that, that has to change pretty quickly for Rangers Yeah, I think it would be remiss of us not to say that Morelos had a few good moments in the game, you know he held oh, the he ball did. up well yeah, at times, a few nice touches and of course he did. I thought it was kind of a slightly um, all over the place display, one minute he would do something really really good the next minute, he would give the ball away. I think he's got a bad propensity towards not making the right pass at the right time, either yeah. holding on to the ball too long or, 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 or not playing the ball into space with the correct pace on it for, for and, the other and, person to score. And, he's just and, too greedy, which is sometimes Johnny, good for a striker. Yeah, and Johnny, we were, I don't know whether you would see it on the, the TV, but I mean, we were sitting pretty much right behind Steven Gerrard in the, in the Rangers dugout on Saturday. And believe me, there were times... When Rangers put together neat moves, kept the ball, you no know, switched the play, kept it going, and then it would get to Morelos, and either it would bounce off him or he would give it away, 
and you could see Steven Gerrard becoming a wee bit exasperated on the side because he can see his team no, putting moves together, playing the way that he wants them to play and then breaking down at his, at his central striker. Um, you're right, he did have good moments. Of course, you can't take the, the assist away from him. No, despite how difficult you think the pass was to make, he set up the goal. It was a perfectly weighted ball for Kent. Couldn't have wished for any more. The second half, he had a couple of efforts, looked a bit more lively, but... I don't know, there's just there's something not there at the minute with, with Morelos and you know, you're talking about the, the game in general and Rangers um, only winning 1-0 and you know, about a concern about that. I think the concern will come from you're having so much control of that game but as you say, you don't quite look like scoring the two or the three and I think no, a lot of that has to come for your for how your central striker plays, and I don't think Rangers are getting are getting enough. And you're you're now thinking about, you know, if Rangers can play that well on the ball and have so much control in a game, if they've got a central striker who's at it and who is linking up and you no, know, who looks a real threat in behind and you no, know, you know, been a real danger to opposition defences. Then that could take Rangers on uh, on to the next on to the next level. Yeah. Okay. Let's have a, let's have a chat about um, Balogun. You mentioned him there. I, I think it was a pretty towering debut, wasn't it? He yeah. barely. Well, I don't think he did actually put a foot wrong in the whole game. He, he was no. just so solid. Uh, a couple of things stood out to me, Scott. One was uh, Bruce Anderson's put through and goal. Balogun's maybe a yard behind him, and you're thinking, yeah. "Wow, Rangers are in real trouble here." But Balogun, for a 32-year-old centre-half, showed that he's got some pace about him. He got in ahead of Bruce Anderson there, and yeah. Anderson is not exactly a slouch, uh, and managed to get to the ball and knock it away. Um, and I thought that was a real insight into what he's going to bring to the, the team. Yeah. But also, having watched a little bit of him on Scout. He, he didn't look the most comfortable attacking the ball in the air. Uh, certainly very, very comfortable on the deck. But I thought he stood up to that test really well. I don't think he lost a, a duel in the game. No. So, so so outstanding debut. And, and I think those guys, if he keeps up that level of performance, those guys, George Edmondson, Philip Hander, are going to have a real struggle to get back in that team. I think you're right. I mean, I've seen people make a, a debut like that. I mean, you, you, you're trying not to get too carried away by it. No, it's one game, it's his first game. Obviously Pataudry with no fans there, it was a it was a lot different on Saturday, so it wasn't quite as kind of ferocious and volatile an atmosphere as you would normally get up there. But it was difficult not to get carried away. I mean it was this flawless a performance for a centre back in his debut, as I can remember. Um again no, with all due respect to Bruce Anderson, I think he would have had a, a different game if uh, if Cosgrove would have been up front. But he can only play against what's in front of him. And as you say, never put a foot wrong. I thought he was so comfortable on the on the floor, especially in the first half. You know, he was actually starting Rangers' attacks by by breaking into the. The kind of next uh, next phase of the pitch. The yeah. only the only slight concern would be um, he's obviously right sided playing his left centre half, so he wasn't as uh, he wasn't as comfortable playing quick balls to to Barisic on his on his left foot. But I mean that that's a no, that's a small thing um, in terms of his whole performance. You're right. Second half, I thought he was dominant in the air. When the boy Edmondson came on, who obviously gave Aberdeen that kind of aerial, aerial threat, but I, th- I just thought overall, I mean, I'm saying don't get carried away. He, he reminded me, I don't know if he reminded you, Andy John, he, he, watching him, he reminded me Carlos Quella for for Rangers um, and how Quella looked when he first he first came in. I mean, that's how good I thought he looked, and as you say, if if he maintains that level of performance, I mean, he's obviously got the jersey now, if he maintains that level of performance, you can see Balogun becoming uh, Conor Golson's kind of long-term partner, and it'll be up to Helander, Edmondson, and obviously Katic, uh, whenever he gets back, to try and get him uh, out of the team, because, you no, know, with all due respect to George Edmondson, for instance, 
no, the guys playing with Oldham uh, six months ago or a year ago essentially before going to Rangers. I thought he did okay in pre-season, but there were still moments where he thought a wee bit shaky, taking too many chances. No, maybe won't get away with that. Balligan, I thought looked a, a step up for that. And I, listen, for Gerald to throw him in after six days training or five days training. That tells you Gerard and the coaching staff have looked at him in training and thought, wait a minute, no, we've got a player here and he's better than, than what we've got currently. Um, so you're right, I can see him staying in the team now uh, and until something uh, something radical happens. Uh, speaking to someone at Brighton, Scott, before um, before the game, um, he's, I wasn't surprised that Gerard put him in because everything he described about Balogun as a man led me yeah. to believe that he would be right up Gerard Street. I mean, yeah. he said that he's a, he's a dedicated trainer, eats well, doesn't drink, obsessed with fitness, quite a quiet character around the dressing room, but when he has his say, he makes his point. Um, yeah. Good for the youngsters. Just a, basically a, a model professional and a joy to have around the club. Yeah. And, um, and listen, if, 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 no, if what Stephen Gerrard uh, said after the game is right, about Balogun getting in at full time and the players giving them, actually giving him a round of applause. I mean, I don't know how often that that happens, but I mean, I think that tells its own story because the players would have, you know, the players would have looked at that team selection and thought, manager's taking a gamble here. Edmondson's played every game, throwing this guy in for his debut. We've hardly seen him, but they would have looked at his performance. I mean, Connor Goldson, for instance. I think would have looked at Balligan and thought, yeah, he's he's my cup of tea. No, I'd like to get playing with this guy regularly, striking up a striking up a partnership. It was a really, really promising, really encouraging debut for him. And Gerard would Gerard would be delighted with. I think the other thing about Balligan coming in, and you've hit the nail on the head when you talked about his comfort uh, playing balls out to Barisic. This also puts a bit of pressure on Connor Goldson, which wasn't there last season. Yeah. Because Philip Hellander, we know, is a, is a good player. He's got his flaws, but he's, he's a once he got into that side and got settled in, he looked decent and very good at taking the ball and, and striding forward and, and picking a pass. And as you say, gets the ball to Barisic quickly. Yeah. Now, if Conor Golson let his standards drop last season, as he did very occasionally, you know, um, yeah. there was no one to come in. But yeah, I, I can see that balligan Hellander combination working quite well and that gives Gerard another option I, mean, I know he's a big fan of, of Goldson and I think Goldson's been terrific in this pre yeah. really hasn't put a foot wrong, foot wrong and looks right at it but it's a long season and you know 25 games down the line that gives Gerard an option that he didn't really have before yeah no it definitely gives him more options no more, more strength and depth um, you're right, Goldson would now look at it and see Balligan as a threat. No, Hillander coming back. Um, and you're right, I mean, Goldson did make a couple of high-profile errors. Um, obviously, the one against Celtic at Ibrooks comes to mind, which was really costly. Um, but in saying that, he is the first pick. Gerard loves him. I keep saying it. He's... I've asked Stephen Gerrard about this before as to why he never gets, why he never rests him or you know, never leaves him out, even for you no know, kind of meaningless games, if you like, or you know, lower profile games. And it's because he's the only talker. Uh, he's only he thinks he's the he's the best talker that he's got in the back four. And just can't can't leave him out. Uh, and I don't expect that to change. Another thing about Goldson is just in terms of Saturday, you can almost can I gloss over how good Goldson was I mean him and Balligan were, were excellent Balligan obviously gets the headlines and the man of the match because he's a new guy and he comes in you know, given the circumstances that's that's why he, he was the uh, he did get the man of the match but Goldson just gave his usual you know, 7 or 8 out of 10 uh, really comfortable held it together at the back for Rangers even when Aberdeen did have that week in a 10-15 minute flurry in the second half where they tried to put a bit of pressure on but uh, I agree in, in pre-season and obviously the first game uh, Goldson looks as if he's at it no he's focused um, and for Rangers point of view they'll be hoping that there isn't any of those mistakes this season as I say and if him and Balligan can, can strike up this partnership early on um, and it's as good as what it looked to be on, on Saturday um, 
it should, it should be a, it'll be a real positive for Rangers with, as you say with Hollander and Edmondson in the background One of the things that was frustrating me watching the game especially with uh, the, the, the new lad um, Balogun and, and the central half position centre half position because he's so comfortable on the ball was I felt Kamara and Jack were often coming to, to take the ball off his toes yep. and you'd have this block of four players behind all the play so yeah. you'd have the two centre-halves, both who are reasonably comfortable on the ball, Balogun especially, and then you'd have Kamara and Jack, and there'd be 10 players in front of them. I was watching the game thinking to myself, why don't those two midfield players push up, push Aberdeen back, and allow Balogun, who's a perfect, perfectly comfortable uh, player on the ball, to, to push into midfield and, and try and break the lines that way? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't really understand why they're doing that now. I was I was thinking about it and I suppose like often a back four would do that and you know you would have the two fullbacks in that position to receive the ball and the way Rangers play with the fullbacks pushed high up perhaps Michael Beale wants that level of solidity of the four there yeah so it's it's not actually any different but but I just I feel that that the Rangers often don't break that first line and it just leads to a real convoluted yeah. midfield battle. I think I think it's a problem, Johnny, if you've got two of them coming back. I think one of them, the the deep line midfielders has to come mm. and, and and give the centre back an option. And if if Balogun, for instance, is going to you know, try and break a line and, and surge forward into that that area like, like he did a few times, you need a Jack or or a Kamara to sit no to sit in in case there is a no, in case it breaks down in case he loses the ball no, in case he's uh, it's intercepted no so somebody Jack or Kamara has to be has to come back and at least offer that that kind of protection but I think you're right it's a problem when you've got the two of them sitting so deep because that does seem unnecessary it leaves you a bit lighter further forward as you say it, it decreases your your options in terms of breaking that uh, no, breaking that first line and getting it into the getting into the forward players. So, listen, th- th- this that will always be an argument. This argument will go on probably until Rangers drop points where it'll intensify. As no, do they need a Jack and a Kamara, or do they need a Davis and a Jack? Whatever it is, no, should they just have won? I mean, should you just trust Ryan Jack to be that sitting holding midfield player? And then you play two ahead of him, whether it's like Aribo and Arfield or Aribo and Hadji or, or whatever it might be. I think that will continue to be a debate around Steven Gerrard and his team and his and his tactics. And it ties into a bit what you were saying, though. Could that game have finished 0-0 or one each or whatever um, on, on another day? If it had I done... No, that these arguments about that, you no, know, the setup of that midfield would have, would have come into play. Um, I, personally, I just think, and it's probably where you, you could you no know, level some kind of criticism at, at Rangers, the coaching team, is that I think at times we've discussed it, there doesn't seem to be that flexibility game to game to actually go and change it. Do you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. no, when it is away to Aberdeen, I would forgive them playing. Uh, no, Jack and Kamara, for instance, because it's a dangerous away game. You know, it's always tough. <clears throat> You're going to need a battle to get a to get a result. But no, I would argue at home to St Mirren this Sunday. You do not need Jack and Kamara sitting in the, the middle of the park. I think me personally, no, with the players they've got available, I would trust Ryan Jack to be that sitter. He's done it for most of his career against better teams than than St Mirren. And Rangers should try and get the two, the two number eights, if you like, further up the pitch. Um, whether that means bringing Scott Arfield in, um, whether it means putting Hadji more central in beside Aribo, and then it allows you to play another wide man, whether it be Barker or, or um, Greg Stewart or Jamie Murphy or whoever. I think that's something that that Rangers should be looking at when they're going to go on Sunday and have to try and break down. Um, no, a stronger St Mirren team I would suggest in, in previous seasons certainly a stronger defence um, yeah. as, they, as they proved at the weekend I think it's going to be a difficult difficult game for Rangers on Sunday breaking, breaking St Mirren down they're going to need a same old story they're going to need a, an early goal um, to settle their, their nerves a wee bit no, the lack of crowd um, 
might help Rangers in games like this. This is what we spoke about a few weeks ago. Would you know the fact that there, there wouldn't be that pressure of the, the fans on top of them? Would that help them in, in home games against that kind of deep line, uh, you know, deep line defence? We're going to find out on Sunday because I think it'll be quite difficult, and I definitely think there's an argument for for tinkering with the, the tactics to, to you know, play a more attacking uh, line-up, certainly in that midfield. Yeah, I really like the look of St Mirren this season, Scott. I tipped them to be in the top six because yep. I, I looked throughout that from the defence forward and I just think they've got a lot of they've got a lot of legs in the midfield, defence is full of experience and bigger Bika up front, you know, I'm not going to say that he's the most uh, elegant player but he's very, very powerful and he's got an eye for goal and just the overall feeling I think I get from St Mirren I just see solidity throughout that team yeah, I think listen, as you say that they're going to be difficult to, a difficult nut to crack yeah I, 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 listen I think Jim Goodwin's has still got work to do uh, middle to front he's got some decent players but I think he'd probably like one or two more in in those areas but I think he's been very clever very shrewd in terms of what he's what he's done uh, with the defence obviously Haladke going was a big blow to St Mern, but I think getting Jack Anik uh, was a terrific signing. Yeah, I didn't think they'd be able to get you know, somebody of his uh, of his calibre to St Mern, but they've got him. And the defence, um, I mean Fraser, Fraser, Tate, and Shaughnessy have all got you know, masses of uh, Scottish Premiership experience. All good players at their respective uh, previous clubs. Um, Shaughnessy was arguably one of the best centre-backs in the top flight a few years ago at St Johnson when they were you know, flying high. He got his move down south and obviously hasn't, hasn't quite worked the way they wanted it to. But they will be a lot more solid in defence. And I think just from St Mern's point of view, it gives them a great platform, you know, a great base. I think Jim Goodwin touched on this after the, the Livingston game on Saturday. He just felt comfortable, even at 1-0, that his defence was going to hold out. And I think for smaller teams going to the old firm, that is the one thing you need is you know, that trust and faith that your defence are going to uh, you know, in the main obviously you need, a bit of, you need a bit of luck along with it but in the main we'll be really solid, keep a good shape um, you know, no, no get too deep where, where the pressure becomes becomes unbearable um, so I think they'll be, you know, it's still be a really difficult game for St Mirren but for, for Rangers I think it'll be they'll be difficult to break down. They're going to need to be really patient. It'll be one of those typical games that we've spoke about so many times on here uh, where Rangers have, have struggled. And again, I think the early goal is crucial. I think an early goal changes the dynamic. It changes everything. Um, and that's what Rangers will be looking to get. But to help them get that, as as we've touched on, I think they could you know, they could tinker with the, the makeup of that midfield for a game like that. Um, and if you get Hadji and Aribo centrally creating things as well as your two wide men as well as your striker um, and you just trust Jack to be that uh, that anchor in the midfield uh, I think Rangers might get a bit more a bit more joy especially in, in home games like that Yeah I, I think I'd play Kamara uh, to be honest as the, as the anchor I would play Kamara yeah. with Arfield on the right and Arivo on the left Yeah, uh, Arfield I think has the energy to get back as well and, and yeah. defend if he needs to you know, Aribo obviously will, will have to do that, but he's more advanced of the two. But I think Arfield has the engine to get up and down. Jack has that too, but I think Arfield is more attack-minded attack than Jack. But I just think the way Kamara uses the ball in these type of games, it just gives you a little bit more. I think he's a little bit uh, better in terms of uh, passing the ball than Jack. Jack's got other excellent attributes. but I just... I just worry Kamara's just a wee bit lightweight in that role uh, on his own, Johnny. I think Jack can be a bit more physical, a bit more a bit more robust, if you like, in terms of protecting the the two centre backs and breaking up play. I think Kamara, you're right, Kamara no, is arguably a better passer, maybe even got a better passing range, but um I think in terms of just trusting somebody to sit in there and be disciplined and you know, break up opposition play, uh, I think I would go with I'd go with Jack. Uh, mm. And you're right, I would bring Arfield in 
uh, to and play him and Aribo ahead of them. Um, and then you've obviously got Hadji and, and Kent and, and Morelos. Um, that would be that would be how I would go. Um, and then obviously you've got some options on the on the bench if you need to, if you need to change it later on. Yeah, just to highlight what we're saying, Scott, I just went into the stats for last season, just to have a wee look at Callum McGregor, who, alongside Scott Brown, is Celtic's sitting midfield player. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like uh, sometimes this constant comparison to Celtic is a little unhelpful because obviously they play a, a different style and all the rest of it. However, it just gives you a benchmark for what you need to be a Premiership winner. And 30 appearances in the top flight, he scored nine goals and made seven assists. Yeah. I mean, that's that's significant. And that shows you how much he's getting forward from that defensive midfield position and how Celtic yeah, adapt to different games. And I think yeah. you saw that against Hamilton. I was just watching McGregor getting forward constantly. Yeah. No, you're right. Especially when, without my label, the point, we spoke about Ryan Kent's lack of... No goals and assists last season. I don't think he had an assist in the in the league. So when you compare that to you no know, Forrest Christie and Jose McGregor, an actual sitting midfielder coming up with seven assists. I mean that kind of tells you uh, that shows the difference. Do you know what I mean? That's and that's listen. Stephen Gerrard's no daft. He knows that. He's, he's mentioned himself yeah. already this season um, in terms of increasing numbers. And to be fair to Ryan Kent, he looks no. No, without what he got ahead of himself, he looks like he is about to to step up and and get those and get those numbers up because in, even in pre season I was I was in the Leon obviously I mean he got two assists against Leon uh, or was it was it Leon or was it Nice to get the assists um, he got a couple of assists over there he got one in one in each game mate. Right, so he did that, and then he's he's obviously got his goal on on Saturday. So he does look to be on the ball. He does look as if he's ready to, you know, start posting some serious serious numbers. And Rangers need that. I mean, if they're going to go and win the league, Kent is a main player for them. Uh, big outlay, obviously, financially in getting them here. They they need him to really uh, to really produce, and as I say, to be fair to me, he looks as if he's he looks as if he's going to even even though it's early days. Yeah, the big difference I think this year is previously he was picking up the ball in front of the defence, and this year he's picking up the ball on the shoulder of the defence. Yeah, so you, one... you've seen him running into space a lot more now. That might be just the the, the games that we've seen. You know, Nice, Leon. Yeah. Good sides, so, yeah, so, so yeah. you're playing them with that space. I mean, even Aberdeen, to, to an extent, a certain extent, tried to press and at times in the game, and therefore gave him that that room. I don't think yeah. he'll have that against St. Mirren. No, the, the only thing, the only thing I'd say about Ken, just watch him on Saturday, and it's just a, a small thing, but no, it is good to see him coming inside, and obviously drives infield to to go and score the goal on Saturday, and that's. No, clearly with him and Hadji, that's how Gerard's gonna gonna want it with the, the fullbacks overlapping. I just think it I'd just like to see him at times reading the game a bit better and there was a there was a spell in the game on, on Saturday where it was becoming very congested centrally. It was becoming a bit scrappy, a bit stuffy. And I felt as if it was crying out for Kent just to say within himself I'm going to just go for the next five minutes and hug the, the touchline and try and get the ball and go at the, uh, the Aberdeen right back. I feel as if uh, he could have got at Hernandez a bit more on Saturday if he, by by staying wide. Um, so, that, I mean, that's just about kind of mixing up his game. He's obviously capable of it. He's, he's proved, you know, he's, he's had a lot of good moments from uh, wide areas, Ryan Kent for Rangers already. He's obviously coming in, playing more central. He's getting a bit of reward, but I just think at certain, you know, certain periods and games when it does become a bit congested centrally, it would be good to see him just going out there, um, and as I say, just hugging that touchline for five minutes. Get you no know, Rangers getting the ball out to him and actually going at the fullback just to mix up his game. Um, and I think for opposition teams, you no, know, that that kind of uh, that kind of variety in his game. Uh, no, can cause them a lot of, a lot of problems. I, I hope that he doesn't just become, uh, no, he doesn't just play this role every week. Where he, no, it's just always coming inside, always coming inside. I still think there's a there's a role for him at certain points in games to just to just stay wide and get the no a bit kind of old fashioned really get it the full back and get and get crosses. And I still think there's room for that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Listen, the, the one player that we've not really gone into the detail on is Aribo. And I thought he was uh, excellent once again. That's not the first time this season. He's definitely bulked up. I think Stephen Gerrard uh, pointed to that. He looks much more ready for the physicality of the Scottish Premiership. Yeah. And uh, in general, he's just been adapted into a more forward-thinking role. And, and, and that just seems to suit him. He was very, very unlucky not to score. Uh, did everything right. You've got to say, uh, Ash Taylor, what, what a block that was right at the yeah. end. I mean, just terrific defending. Yeah. Um, but but overall, I thought that throughout the game, Aribo looked like a guy who had the ability to always cause problems to Aberdeen, really pushed up on that left-hand side and got into positions that caused them problems. Obviously, look, he didn't get a goal or an assist. He didn't contribute anything in the final third that was decisive. However, throughout the game, he was a constant danger. And it looks to me like he's kind of found the right niche in the team now. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, It looks like he's going to kind of take his game up a notch again this season. Um, I like the fact that he's... He's no. He's, you're talking about players going back and taking balls off a centre back. That that's no Aribo's game. But at times last season he was still doing that. You almost kind of found him in that kind of almost like an old fashioned left half position. You're thinking he's never going to hurt MD for there. Um, it has to be further up the pitch, and I think that's been a direct uh, kind of request for Gerard. Really, you know that he has to stay. He has to stay higher up. I like the fact that. Um, He's getting himself into one-on-one positions, and I thought against Aberdeen on, on Saturday, um, he won a lot of them. As soon as an Aberdeen player got tight to him, Aribo was past him, either with a bit of skill or his, or his strength, and he was getting into good areas. Of course, no, like we're saying about Ken, he's going to have to, no, he's going to have to come up with numbers. He's going to have to chip in with you no know, assists and goals. And as I as I said, if it wasn't for for that kind of last ditch, uh, Ash Taylor. Um, clearance he would have got his goal and he would have played a major part in a, a comfortable 2-0 win but listen it's early days you, d- you don't want to get too excited just yet but certainly pre-season and the, obviously the first league game Aribo as I say does look as if he's taking up a wee notch he looks stronger he looks more comfortable in Scottish football I think he looks more confident in himself to go and you know, go and have a real impact on games and I think if Rangers can keep him, you know, can keep him high up the pitch in the areas where he can go and he can go and hurt people with a killer pass or a, or a shot, I would like to see him take more shots right enough, be a bit more like Hadji and be willing to get shots off from from distance. Um, but aside for that, no, he looks he looks in very good form. Uh, he looks at the kind of peak he's, his fitness. He's also used the break. Um, to his advantage um, and listen he's going to be a, he's going to need to be a big a big player for Rangers this season if they're going to go and go and get success and win, win trophies Given that you were one of only a few actually in the ground I wondered what the Stephen Gerrard reaction was to the Andy Considine red card challenge Scott it was an absolute shocker it was a wince inducer it um, was I felt, listen I think the whole, the whole bench were kind of up uh, it was difficult um Difficult to see Gerard can individually, but I think everybody knew. I mean, even we were a well, we were a good distance from it, sitting kind of up the the back of the main the main stand. But you just knew that it was a dangerous tackle. Studs up, um, and Bobby Madden just went for the red. No hesitation at all. And even Derek McInnes afterwards, as much as he he, you know, he might have felt a wee bit aggrieved, I think he kind of felt it was maybe a kind of fifty fifty, and certainly Considine. I know a few people have said it. Constantine isn't really that that type of player. Um, but when you see the tackle again, you know, when you go in, studs up, uh, that kind of straight leg tackle in the modern game, Johnny, you're never gonna you're never gonna get away with that. So it was it was no surprise to see the to see the red card. I saw a few people on social media talking about um Arfield going in with two feet in the same challenge and then Craig Gordon repeated that on Sports signs, which uh, yeah. sports scene, sorry, which I was quite surprised about because to me, Arfield sees him coming at him. Arfield's moving forward and simply just jumps up because he sees this low straight leg coming in. I don't know what yeah. your take on it was. No, no, I think I, I've watched that a few things back now. I mean, I think Arfield does go in. 
No, kind of showing his studs, but I, th- I think you're right. I think it's the fact that he sees Considine coming in with a straight leg, and Arfield thinks I need to try and protect myself here. Um, yeah. And he, no, he clearly comes off worst in the uh, comes off worst in the challenge. So, um, no, I mean I think James McFadden mentioned it in the when they re-ran the highlights last night. No, maybe if Arfield had I got there first, no, he might have ran the ran the risk in terms of how he went into the tackle, but the way Considine went in with that that force and that intent, um there was no way Arfield was gonna was gonna get there first. He was clearly gonna come off second best and he's probably lucky that um no, he didn't pick up an injury for the for the challenge. And, and how was Gerard after the game, Scott? Was he was he quite happy with the result and performance, or was there did you get a sense of his elements that, that maybe he would go away and want to work on with the players? Um, what was his general demeanour? I think, listen, general demeanour was that he wants more players in Johnny. That's that's the thing that that came away from it. Um, listen, he was pleased with the performance. I think he was pleased that. As I touched on right at the start, even though it was only one 0 I don't think he ever felt in any real danger of, of losing a goal or losing any points. Such was Rangers' kind of control and their, their dominance in the game. I think he was pleased with that aspect of it. You no, know, he picked out Balligan and Kent for individual praise, which was which was expected. Um, Morelos, a bit more coy on him, thought he did a good job for the team. But as I said, I, I don't think Gerard's happy with his, uh, no, with his general fitness and form at the minute. Uh, as I say, whether that's to do with, with speculation, we, we don't really know. But no, he, he was pretty pleased. But the, the thing that came away from it is that he needs more players. I mean, somebody, one of the boys asked him directly, no, no can you go much longer with one fit striker? And the look that Stephen Gerrard gave told you that no, I think he probably expected to have another striker in by now. I mean, his exact words were, uh, "No, we can't. I want one in yesterday." Um, no, that was his exact quote. So he knows that going up there just with Morelos, pretty much nothing in reserve in terms of central striker was a, a dangerous game to play and they've, they've got away with it, they've got out of there with a 1-0 uh, and a decent performance but they cannot go much longer uh, in this in this situation so he needs uh, reinforcements I think he'll want, I think he'll want a striker and a midfielder in any way if Morelos goes it'll be two strikers and a midfielder um, and I know the window is obviously open till uh, October the 5th so there's a lot more time but Gerard said to us when we were in the, when we were in France, I mean, we, we suggested to him that no, would you be willing to wait like, two months to this two and a half months till this window closes? And again, he was saying no, that that just that can't happen. I mean, he's no one to rush into anything and sign players for the sake of it. But with the games Rangers have got coming up and what's at stake this season, he needs players in quick. Um, and I'd be amazed if there's not at least one. Uh, added this week before the before the St Mirren game. Okay, we've got Leverkusen on Thursday. That is going to be a, a huge, huge challenge for Rangers to overcome. Not only are Leverkusen a terrific side and beating them would be a tall order in in any circumstance, but to beat them by, well, I think it's three goals really now they need because uh, yeah. two two nil wouldn't even be enough given they scored three at Ibrox. So it need to be. 4-1 four, four, or there's a variety of scores that, that yeah. can do it but it's three clear goals they need I mean Scott this has got to be a, a very very low percentile chance but given the way they've played you wouldn't put past them to go there and, and win the game or get a, get a, a creditable draw I was just about to say listen I don't expect Rangers to get through I think they have given themselves too much to do the, the third goal uh, the third goal at Ibrox killed the tie for me at 2-1 there was a there was still a chance but um, 3-1 can I put it to bed but honestly given the circumstances Johnny in terms of you know, Leverkusen having not played a game of, uh, a game of football in a while uh, certainly a competitive game there's obviously speculation surrounding their best players like Havertz uh, and others. Um, 
given the fact it's an empty stadium. No, Rangers are up and running, playing really well, whether it be pre-season or as we spoke about on Saturday. I don't expect Rangers to get through by any stretch. I say I think it's it'll be too much, but it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if they give Leverkusen a wee fright and, and could actually maybe win that win that game uh, and go out. I think Leverkusen will obviously come at Rangers, but as we've as we've seen so often um, with this Rangers team in Europe and even in the uh, some of the pre-season games in, in France. You no, know, when a team comes at them, Rangers can be can be really dangerous with the likes of Kent uh, on the break. Um, seen it in Braga, obviously away as well when, when Kent got the goal. So um, I've got a feeling Rangers will score first on uh, Thursday night and and give Leverkusen a wee fright. Um, as I say, I don't think they'll go through, but I expect a, a good performance. I think Gerard wants, you know, at least wants them to show that you know, it wasn't a fluke getting to the last 16 in the Europa League, that they belong there, that they compete, they can compete with teams like that. Um, and I, I expect, he want to keep the keep the momentum going. Even if they go out, he want to get at least a, a draw in that game on Thursday um, and put in a really good performance. And I, th- I, think they can, I think they can do it. I think if they go through, it would probably be the greatest away Oof. European result in the club's yeah. history. I mean, you look back to Lyon when they won 3-0 in the Champions League, but that was a one-off game in a, in a league format. Yeah. I mean, this this would be really something else if they it go would, through. They, they, would, they would need something of that magnitude in Lyon. I mean, 3-0 away to Lyon is incredible when you when you think about it, especially think of that, that Lyon team. I mean, listen, a, a 3-1 win for Rangers, I suppose, takes the extra time and then it's... Well, it's anybody's game, but even that, I mean, I think to score three over there would be as a tall, tall order, not a, a big ask. I can see them getting you know, a goal, maybe a couple of goals, and as I say, get, getting a draw or maybe a narrow narrow win, uh, given the, the circumstances that we're in, given where Leverkusen are, but no, I don't think Leverkusen will be so far off it that they allow that lead to, to slip. Okay, well, that's all from us for today. We'll be back next week with another podcast on all things Rangers. If you want to continue the debate, of course you can. I'm on Twitter at Johnny R. McFarlane and Scott is at Scott McDermott 8. If you like the pod, we know many of you do, please get onto iTunes and give us a five-star review as this helps us get to as many listeners as possible. Until next time, thanks for listening. Use your mind, use your mind, let your mind, use your body